0: You're listening to episode 13 of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast.
1: to the Bass Guitar Worship Blender Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Haseker, and we are on episode 13, and in this episode, we have an interview with Joe Legrand, and you're probably wondering, well, who's Joe Legrand? I've never heard of him. Well, you probably never heard of me either before uh, this podcast, and so Joe is actually, I'm uh, actually really excited about this podcast because it's really the direction where I'm hoping to go with the podcast. Where Joe. Um, Pun intended, I guess. Here is an average Joe. Uh, I posted on Facebook a little while back that I wanted to have more people on the podcast to interview, and they didn't have to be anybody famous. Just your, you know, if you're playing in a church and uh, you're a bass player in a church, just hey, I want to, I want to talk to you. Let's talk, and because I believe everybody has a story to tell, whether you've got one really good story. Or you've got a hundred, um, you know, pretty good stories. We all have at least something that we can share with others that uh, people will find interesting. And so I just put it out there, and Joe said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be on the podcast." And um, sight unseen, we just set up a, a, a phone call, and we recorded it. And it's actually Joe turned out to be a really interesting guy. He had a great story, and uh, I think you'll what you'll find interesting. The main thing, kind of, we talked about, although he surprised me with a few things, um, was the fact that he came to Become a worship bass player after retiring, and that's when he actually learned how to play bass was in retirement, and uh, so it was a good story that it's never too late to uh, to learn something new and to uh, to serve Christ. So uh, really, I think you'll like this this uh, this interview. It's really good, and it's also hopefully it'll inspire more people out there that are also bass players on a worship team to uh, contact me and say, yeah, I want to be on the podcast too because I really want to make this podcast not about me talking to you about, but all of us talking to each other. And again, I think everybody's got an interesting story to tell. So I hope you will find this interesting. Let's go ahead and get started and uh, get Joe's interview going. Oh, and real quick, I know that a lot of you out there, or at least maybe one or two, probably go, hey, I, I you've been saying for like two episodes now that you were going to have a, a, a review of the Source Audio C4 bass pedal. And yeah, so I'm kicking that down the, uh, the, the road uh, for another episode because this uh, interview with Joe ended up being about 40 plus minutes in length. And I don't like to make these podcasts too long. So yeah, I'm pushing it down the road to yet another uh, episode. So yeah, it'll be in the next episode. I, it really will be. I'll, I'll get that review on the uh, Source Audio C4. No, this isn't link Beta. to keep making you listen to the podcast, um, but uh, I'll, I'll really have uh, a review on that for you. So all right, let's get started.
0: An interview with Joe Legrand.
1: All right, today I've got Joe Legrand with me, and I'm really, really excited about this conversation because this literally came out of me posting on Facebook that I wanted to interview other people, and it really didn't matter—you um, know—anything. They didn't have to be anybody famous or anything like that. It's just, hey, if you play bass on a on a church worship team, then I want to interview you. And and Joe uh, uh, actually raised his hand and said, "Hey, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you." So I've got Joe Legrand on the line with me. Me. Joe, thanks for thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Sure, sure. So you've got an interesting story. And I really, I think everybody's got an interesting story to tell. And yours, at least that what I know so far about you is you actually came into worship a little bit later in life. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, that coming to, uh, because it's not most people, it's like, it's something they grew up with. But you literally, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it was after you retired is when you actually got into uh, playing worship.
0: Yes, I, I, if, and if I get too long in any topic, just cut me off, but um, sure. I am a baby boomer, and, and I grew up in a musical family, and I got started in, in some music, uh, voice and keyboard and a little guitar, and then I discovered sports, and I went on and, and did college sports, and I was a, a guy in the 70s, and I kind of put music on the back burner, and I got saved in, in 1978 while going to engineering college, and um, I always loved bass. Something about that low register always moved me mm-hmm. in a way that I just couldn't describe. And my, my college roommate and I used to sit around and listen to school bass by Stanley Clark and other great bass players mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. We would say, wouldn't it be great to be able to play the bass? And I started off on my career, and I, I worked 37 years for Rockwell automation and uh, management most of that time. And I, I would always pray, Lord, if I ever live long enough to retire, I'm going to go back and worship you with base. So awesome. a couple of years before I retired, I actually bought a base and it, it sat in my bedroom for a while. And then I started looking for an instructor and I found a, a Berkeley grad who was a, a little older than me, actually, and a teacher. And mm-hmm. I started taking a weekly lesson and, uh, From my church, I asked if I could just attend the worship uh, rehearsals and begin to play with them, and uh, that's where it all started.
1: Great. So, so you were retired and hadn't even you didn't even know how to play the the bass at that point. Is that correct? Well, I remember buying the bass,
0: and I didn't know how to pick it up, how to hold it. I knew nothing about it. I literally really didn't know anything about music, and. Except from early on, and and I started as a complete beginner. Uh, I took a weekly lesson because I I had retired. I was able to practice four or five hours a day, and my instructor mm-hmm. immediately told me find people to play with. So I reached out, and that worked. And I got involved in different bands, and different friends, and different worship groups, and and started performing all that I could. And I always like to say in a in just a three or four years, I got about 20 years of experience because a, I had the time and I had the passion. And, and I go back to, uh, first Corinthians ten thirty one, which says, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And mm-hmm. my personality has always been, you know, if you're going to do something, do it to the best of your ability. So I, I just Amen. poured a, a ton into it. And, uh, That led me into really just loving the base and loving worshiping and praising God.
1: And I want to chime in here. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's inspiring for a lot of people to hear that because um, there might be people out there that are interested in the bass, but they're just like, oh, you know, I didn't learn to play that when I'm young, so it's too late for me now. It literally is never too late. Um, I I can relate a little bit to your story because even though I was in music all my life, I didn't get saved into my early 40s. I'm, I'm getting ready to push for a 50 now, but I'm still in my forties. But, uh, so it hasn't been that long that I've been saved. And I went from not knowing anything at all about worship music into three months after being saved, I was <laughs> thrust into a recruited for the worship team and, and trying to learn a whole new genre of music that i never listened to before. So, um, it's doable. You can, you can learn something new if you, uh, if you, uh, you know, are really, set on doing if you're, pa- like you said, if you're passionate about doing it, something you want to do. I think you can do it at any age.
0: Yeah. And I, I think I had mentioned to you, Brent, I live in the villages. I retired, um, uh, moved from Kentucky down to Florida into the villages, which is a retirement community of mm-hmm. about 150, 150,000. And, uh, there's literally thousands of musicians at all levels. Some starting mm-hmm. uh, to, to play instruments in their seventies and eighties. So, wow. um, I know I read online a lot, of people are asking, oh, am I too old to start? And I started at age 58. And I consider myself about an intermediate player now, and I may never be great, but I can sure uh, worship, and I'd love to worship. Great.
1: Well, in, 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 do you find when, as somebody who's who's coming into worship older, uh, do you have any challenges with, uh, it doesn't sound like you have any challenges with your particular church. I, I did an interview a while back with somebody who was actually aged out of his church, um, which um, is episode three on the podcast. But um, I know different churches, uh, you know, approach that differently. It sounds like yours is cool with, you know, whatever your age, if you can worship, let's, let's worship together and, and do it. You don't have any challenges like with youth or anything like that?
0: No, actually, I'm in next month I'm playing at a youth conference at our church. how oh, great. I think that the churches—and I go to non-denominational, and the, the two churches that I've been at during this time period that I've played in the worship team, they want the worship team to have the right heart for God and the right heart for worship, and then they want the demographics of those that are on the stage to reflect the demographics of their congregation. Right. So I'm in an older community, so we have a mixture. I'd say, well, we have an 18-year-old that sings, and we have a 72-year-old guy that plays keyboard. So mm-hmm. uh, we have the full range. You know, we got people in their 30s or 40s, uh, me in the 60s, and another guy in the 70s. So the challenges that I have had are, are uh, probably there for younger people, too, Uh, With aches and pains, I tend to over-practice, and then my Mm -hmm. hands, my arms, my, uh, you know, different, as a bass player, uh, different things get sore and broken, and I've had to take a few breaks.
1: Yeah, that's you're singing my song right there, because I as I get older, I have that same kind of issue is that I I feel I could be a better bass player than I am if I could practice more without pain. (laughs) So I have to really limit, make sure I'm, you know, whatever time I'm practicing, I'm using it wisely and and not overdoing it because, yeah, I definitely can can uh, can feel those pains as well. Uh, Is there anything you're doing to to kind of combat that? I, I, I tend to take a lot of glucosamine, which helps with my joints. Um, but is there anything other secrets that you might do that might help out or stretches or anything like that?
0: Yes, there is. uh, There is. And I've forgotten the guy's name. He's a doctor and he's a bass player and he's written a book on Hmm. uh, different injuries and prevention and stretching and strengthening exercises. Um, I I could get you the link and maybe you could post it on here, but uh, he actually has some videos you can watch, but I bought the book and I do some of his stretching that never occurred to me. You know, you think your fingers should be hurting, but everything connects all the way up into your shoulders and your neck and mm-hmm. your back. And uh, so he, he goes through everything from what strap you should use, what hype you should, you should strive for how you should avoid getting your forearm cutting off circulation to your hand Mm -hmm. by resting it, and you know, just all those kind of things. And it's mostly awareness. Um, He has one thing before you ever perform or in between songs, you go through a little small routine of just making sure your body's loose and dropping your shoulders and not letting them become tense. Right. Being aware of your posture because most bass players stand and you tend to stand on one leg and then that creates a problem. And, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, most of your weight on one side or the other, so things like that.
1: Yeah, I would be really interested to uh, to find out more information on that. So yeah, if you'll send me the information, I'll I'll post in a link on the description of the uh, of this podcast. Yeah, I was I was playing uh, keyboard uh, not last week, but the week before. I had to sit in and play piano. Our church is having me play more piano now. Um, and so I have to play standing up, which usually if I'm playing keyboard at home, I'm playing sitting down, but uh, at church, they're making me play standing up, which means if I'm working the the sustain pedal, then I tend to have most of my weight on my left, left foot, which gets to be a little bit, uh, a, a little painful after an hour playing, uh, you know, if we're playing an extended set. So yeah, there's all kinds of things that impact the aches and pains in your body. So uh, yeah, I would really like to find out some more information on that. Well, uh, is there any, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was
0: just going to say one other point. I, I'm a fender guy, but I play four- and five-string. And when I play my five-string, it's a little heavier. I think it's almost 12 mm-hmm. pounds. And, and I've asked if I can sit on a stool when I play five-string, and it's no problem. So yeah. I tend to sit down when I've got, you know, that 12 pounds on me for five hours because we have medical
1: services yeah i hear you because i got a five string two five string uh music man basis stingrays which are very heavy uh compared to my five string fender jazz um so yeah it's amazing how much a difference a pound or two can make when it's when you're wearing it for a long period of time but i do like playing sitting down more than i like standing up but uh um, it's still fun to stand up as well. So uh, tell me a little bit about it. I know you mentioned some other ministry stuff that you do as well uh, regarding music. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I was I was fortunate enough, actually through a jazz group, to meet other Christians that had a heart to form our own kind of independent Christian band, and um, we got together and we started creating a set list and practicing weekly and we started, you know, expanding uh, really with the heart to get into the community. First, we were just kind of being a backup to smaller churches that had a special event or needed to give their worship team a break. We would come in and play for them. Um, And then trying to do benefits or going into um, while you still could, go into assisted living centers or um, we actually never got into to a prison, but we were looking at that and we were trying to get mm. into uh, recovery centers because you know, it was our desire and our belief that music can reach the soul of man and can reach places through sounds and music and the Holy Spirit to heal and restore and deliver people from all sorts of addictions and problems. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's one thing we did. The second thing that I've always had, and through my Christian walk of 40-plus years, a heart for the elderly, and I started a ministry of going into primarily nursing homes to uh, play. I play acoustic guitar as well. Sing, Mm -hmm. pray, read the Word, get to know them. Many of them as uh, sadly never get a visitor. Their family drops them off there and they never see them again. So it's a, it's a huge need and a great ministry to show the love of Christ. Uh, and their skills don't have to be that great. They're just
1: happy to have someone there. Yeah. How do you get uh, involved in something like that? Well, and this, this goes back before the COVID-19, you
0: know, our church. Yeah. Uh, true. True. Contacts, um, our church has contacts with all the different assisted living, memory care, and uh, one area that I was looking to expand in, a friend of mine is playing keyboards at a uh, memory care center, and people are unable to speak. You know, they're at an advanced stage of Alzheimer's, and he would be playing music, and all of a sudden they'd start singing the words to the song. Wow. You know, music could reach some Area, remote area of their mind that could retrieve memories, and that's the only memory that they would have. Isn't that incredible?
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard that before. And it's just, it's amazing that, you know, there's these different levels of memories and how music tends to be one of the, I guess, the deepest ones in the, in the mind and, and it sticks around the longest. So yeah, that's really cool, because then you can use that music to, to still reach them. Um, so yeah, that's great. I, I guess then the COVID has, has had an impact on that ministry and probably has put it on hold, I guess.
0: Yes, absolutely and i I was just gonna say I was so disappointed because we had planned and and' we're, we're planning a launch of another phase in uh, April uh, mm-hmm. to expand out to more centers to get in there and and just play the the older gospel songs and sing yeah. and read the word and pray for them and then as you know all the all the centers are now locked down and we mm-hmm. I don't know you know it's I don't know if we'll ever be back in My own mother's in one, and the other way I can reach them is on phone, and I still do for my own mother daily over the phone, reading the Bible. She can't. She's legally blind now, so I read her the Bible. I pray for her, and I sing, and I play for her. But I thought about trying to do a ministry with technology, but most of them are so technology-challenged. <laughs> hmm yeah, I, I couldn't see that working without the cooperation of maybe the center. So I may still explore yeah. that. And, you know, another area that I, I had mentioned after five or six years of playing the contemporary Christian music genre with Hillsong and Bethel and Elevation and Vertical and Housewives and those, um, I went off and attended a prophetic worship conference. Um, actually, the gal's name is Julie Meyer, yeah, Rick Pino is another that started this. And I know there's got to be more because I know you know when you're up there playing and if there is a song that allows the bass to groove a little and really carry the rhythm in a strong way, you can begin to see people move and you can see their facial mm-hmm. expressions change and you can see their arms raise. And I know there's got to be more to a worship bass than just playing you know, roots and occasional fifth and an occasional run here and there. So I've been really reaching out. Actually, I just recently reached out to Norm Brockton, who um, has done a lot of work um, and actually has quite a bit of training material. I just started a a material he has called Grooving for Heaven, and Mm -hmm. trying to really go beyond um, with bass to really open up, you know, the Holy Spirit to do more, to move mm-hmm. people to, to to do his work of healing and restoring and um, delivering them, saving them, drawing them back, repairing uh, whatever's broken in their life.
1: Yeah, you said Norm Brockton. Is that Norm Stockton or Norm Brockton?
0: I'm sorry. Yes, Stockton. Stockton? Okay, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, he's a well-known bassist.
0: Yes. And a great guy. I mean, I, uh-huh. I actually, through, I won't even start mentioning names, but uh, through a friend of a friend, I got hooked up with him. I started asking, you know, what is there out there that's available for me to learn more? And uh, I got hooked up with him and I reached out to him via email. Great guy, eager to help. I um, immediately, you know, he referred me to his art of groove and I immediately ordered some of this material, and I just started working with it. And it's great
1: material. Yeah, he's—I've heard him on a lot of recordings. He's a—he's a really talented bass player. Yes, he is. My apologies for the for the wrong name. I no problem. I—I knew immediately who you were talking about when you said it. So that was cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, and that for, for me, you know, I, I tend to agree that, you know, just playing those songs with just, you know, just playing a root note for like whole notes and that can get really boring. I mean, obviously it's still, you're giving glory to God, even if you're just doing something simple, but yeah, listen, I tend to listen to a lot of, uh, gospel based players, um, it, and, and just kind of <laughs> wished I could, I could play as well as them and try to pick up as much as I can from them, um, at least get a little bit better from, from listening and trying to imitate. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of really good good bass playing out there. It just a lot of the, the worship stuff does tend to be pretty uh, simplistic. Well,
0: one, one thing I would, and I, I learned this through all of my research, and we actually are doing it to some level. If you can talk to your worship leader on your rehearsal nights, you, know, you go through your songs and now you have some time to just worship and mm-hmm. really move into an improv, as I call it. And I actually I played with a uh, actually a larger thirty five piece jazz ensemble for about two years. Oh, wow. And I take what I learned there. And as you know, we'll come up with a chord progression and we'll just start improvising and the, the power player will do his thing and the keyboard player and the drummer. And I'm able to slide in with my jazz licks and runs. And uh to me, it sounds great. It may not to them, but we, we enter into <laughs> a level of worship. And many times, you know, the singers will sing a scripture or the uh, chorus will come to them and people are inevitably put their instruments down and. You know get down on the ground and worship. It's really incredible. I wish we could duplicate it in church, but you have the time element mm-hmm. you know, in church where you're trying to get through multiple services and right, right. You really, you yeah, can't do it.
1: Yeah, sometimes we'll go into that, we'll, we'll have a service where the, the band ends up playing for a lot longer than, than intended. Um, so we get a chance to stretch out every once in a while and service, service, especially on like altar calls where the, you know, the service is over. So it just... We we're playing as long as people at altars need us to, and so sometimes that's when we'll get a little bit more improv on on the stuff that we do. Um, but yeah, it's definitely when you can when you have that ability to kind of stretch out on on those you know on a song other than what you know you just practice and kind of go into a new area with it. That's always a lot of fun, and and it can be very powerful too as well.
0: Yeah, it's incredible how the bass can shape. Um, we were playing Waymaker one time actually it was at a funeral. Mm-hmm. And I had heard almost a um a reggae version of it. <laughs> I, just, I, mean, that. I, just, I just broke out into the uh, you know, arpeggios of the chorus and I mean we stayed on that for a long time and people were just really you know, you could just sense the healing going on from a plant mm-hmm. you know, if you play it the way you're supposed to, you're just playing a root note. As you go through the progression, so right,
1: right, yeah, that's a fun one because uh, I've played it many ways. Because I, I did it for a, a Latin uh, conference, and so we kind of played it Latin style. And then I I have actually played it reggae style, where that just kind of a lot of times in our altar calls we'll end up somehow going into a reggae groove on songs. And um, I played it straight. I've played it, you know, a little bit funkier. So yeah, that's a a fun one to uh, to do.
0: Um, but, isn't it but yeah, you
1: how the bass can take a song and move it Mm -hmm. into a different feel. Yeah. And like you had mentioned earlier about just seeing, you know, when you're, you've got a a groove where the bass is really kind of pushing it and you can see a difference in the people out in the audience. And, and when, almost you can see them like dancing to the, to the groove that you're producing, and to me, that's just incredibly. I mean, it's just I'm I, I don't even know how to describe it. It just feels so good to be able to know I make I'm helping to make that person move, and uh, how you know, you know, be able to worship, and and so yeah, that's it's to me, it's a big honor, and and, and just something I really enjoy seeing.
0: Well, and I, I had read somewhere where, you know, the importance of a bass, the register or the frequency that we operate in. Without that, people can't even sense the chord progression. And it's Mm -hmm. so important for the bass to be there, too, because it it has not only a sound but a feel that helps people feel the chord progression go through the song. And I know a lot of times on my five-string, I'll really get down low, and we have a pretty good uh, low end at our church. Yeah, (laughs) And uh, you can really see, see it move people. I mean, I you know you see people go from just kind of standing there to jumping and getting excited, and
1: mm-hmm. it's, it's really quite uh, rewarding to me. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick, I want to circle back to something. Did you say you played in a 35-piece jazz ensemble? Yes,
0: I did. We had a wow. full brass section. Um, cool. Full string section. Um, wow. And we we played weekly at one of our entertainment centers and we played out of the jazz standards book and there's about 500 songs in there. So someone would just say, Hey, play this and that song. And we would send you know, the, the guy leading it. We had a, a director. He would say, you know, song number 205. And here we go.
1: Wow. And you could keep 35 people all together on a, on a song doing, you know, improving through it.
0: Yes. And my, my skill level was not the greatest not as good as it should have been, but, you know, many times I couldn't play the walking bass line. So I would just play mm-hmm. maybe a um, passing note or I would throw in a third or a flat seven. And actually it, it sounded pretty good. And over time I got, you know, it really helped me prepare me because I hadn't played where I, I recognize the sound of the trombone or a, or a trumpet, or a saxophone, you know, are really getting tied in tight with a drummer that really, really helped me early on Mm -hmm. to improve uh, playing with a larger group. I loved it, but it became burnout. I mean, it it was, um, it actually became about a 20 hour week commitment. Wow, wow. And um, I really feel like I kind of burnt myself out. So after a couple of years, I I bowed out of it. (laughs) But it was certainly helpful.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun because, but I'm just amazed that you're able to keep 35 people all together like that because usually when you got a full horn section and string section, you're usually having to follow, you know, some charts and some some type of structure to some degree in order to keep everybody together.
0: Well, we all had, I mean, there were three different versions of the Jazz Standard Book. As I said, it's about 500 songs in there. So there was one, and you know, I, uh, you know, for C instruments, for B-flat instruments, et cetera, and mm-hmm. everyone had their chart. Now, we weren't always playing super tight, but, you know, it was more of a recreational band, but still, mm-hmm. when we were brought, you know, when they had training sessions, they would try to encourage everybody, you know, make sure you're always trying to internally count the time and you're subdividing because <laughs> you get that many people and it's easy to stray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I was so impressed. We were pretty good about getting back on it. You know, we always followed the yeah. steps that we had. So uh, it worked out. And we had some tremendous, uh, especially brass uh, players, absolutely mm-hmm. incredible players that were, you know, retired studio musicians. Um, wow. You know, would just sit there and read, read the charts, note for note, and play them. I was, I was happy to just read the chords off the charts and try to play along.
1: That sounds like it'd be a lot of fun, Um, you know. Getting getting big uh, ensembles together like that—that's that—that's something that I I would love to to be able to get back into doing.
0: Well, that that brings an interesting point because I have played at one church where we had some saxophone, but yeah, I would and I and we have some brass players at our church, but they're reluctant to get involved in worship. And I think they add so much. I've been trying to encourage them, you know, come to rehearsal and, you know, see how it sounds. At mm-hmm. one of our churches we had a trumpet player and he would blast away when appropriate but not play a whole lot. But it did <laughs> add a lot. Yeah. And people hear yeah. the sound of the trumpet, it moves them.
1: Yeah, and there's something biblical about that hearing the sound of the trumpet. So <laughs> that would be a good thing to have on the worship team. Yeah, we've got a uh, on my church that I play at on Wednesday nights. We've got a, a saxophone player who's really good, and so um, that's a lot of fun. Um, I would definitely love to see more different instruments other than just you know bass, guitar, and keys on the platform because they really can add a lot. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, tell me. Any, I, I'm sorry. Well,
0: I was just going to go down another path of thinking. You know, go ahead. my biggest my biggest challenge has been. You know, when I started playing bass. I I was te- I was learning from a lifelong uh, bass player who played the seventies rock era and the Berkeley grad, and you know, his thing was you always had to look cool. You know, never let him <laughs> see you sweat. Yeah. And when I, you know, we're televised every week. Well, actually, on YouTube, but um, my stage uh, mannerism could greatly improve i tend not to yeah i, I can get lost in worshiping myself mm-hmm. and not i mean I, i'm told all the time oh you gotta you gotta realize a camera might be on you at any minute so keep smiling and do this and do that and move right and you know to me that all is uh not that easy for me so that's one area i can mm-hmm. probably really improve how do you find that
1: for us, it's not too much. I mean, my main church, we only have one camera that's way in the back, and it's usually like a wide pan. So usually I'm behind all the singers, and they're they're singing and moving around. So it, there's not a whole lot of pressure to really do a lot. Uh, the other church I play on Wednesday, I'm kind of behind the piano and, you know, back— by the drums and again the singers are all up front it seems like in both churches i'm in it's more about making sure the singers are front and center and and getting everybody you know they're the ones that are the center of attention so there's not a whole lot of pressure to perform a certain way uh for me um but um i tend to be pretty focused when i play and um I've, I come from secular music, so I'm used to being able to put on a show and, you know, I, when I was younger, I had the rock star hair and everything else, it's all gone now. Um, all fall, fallen out, but, um, but, uh, I, I know how to put on a show. And so I kind of tend to not do it on the worship platform just because I feel like I could resort back to, you know, rock star days and trying to be a, a rock star. So I tend to kind of just be focused and, and just let the music, um, kind of do their thing and, and let the singers kind of, you know, be the ones to, to be out front.
0: Well, our, our pastor, I mean, I think he has a good point, and he just talks about stage presence, especially now that we're online so much, and we've always been online, but someone might tune there even by accident, and it could be their one chance to really hear the gospel to music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the expression you have on your face might encourage them or discourage them. I know early on, when I used to make make mistakes, I would have a a sour face, and my wife would say, don't ever (laughs) do that, I don't know. I didn't even know I
1: did. Yep. I try to to keep a poker face no matter what.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just trying to be a little more aware of of how you're looking to others, I guess. Uh, Yeah. And it's easy to move when you're playing the bass. And honestly, when you said you're very focused I try to be focused, but I find that my playing is much better when I'm not as focused, Mm -hmm. and I'm just trying to flow and feel it and let the Holy Spirit really use me.
1: Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Well, you would said you you play a jazz bass, is that correct?
0: I actually have a jazz, I have P, and I have a PJ. So those are my three flavors, um, primarily Fender. I I use the American Jazz, is it called the American Jazz Standard? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And um, I like the the sound of the key bass for most of the CCM music. I I actually bought one of the Sire basses.
1: Oh, really? Okay, those are cool.
0: Oh, man, they have beautiful sound, but they're really heavy. (laughs) Oh, really?
1: Okay. I've never had a chance to play one, but.
0: Oh, they, they really produce a wonderful sound. And they have a very, you know, they're, they're active passive both, and they have right. a lot of onboard um, instrumentation that lets you shape a lot more than anything else I've seen on the market. Yeah,
1: and they're so affordable too, which is nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I bought a, I forgot their model number. I paid about a thousand dollars for a PJ five string, and it just sounds marvelous. Actually better yeah. than, you know, my fenders that are two or three times that much.
1: Yeah, wow. Yeah, they've, they've got a good reputation, and, you know, they're so affordable. I mean, yeah, they're, they're definitely a brand that I've kept my eye on.
0: Now, on some of you- my Fenders, I have upgraded the um, the pickups. Uh, one of my Jazz bass, I put some Seymour Duncans on. I spent okay. a lot of time messing around with different pedals. you play through an amp or go direct? Uh, we are all no amps on stage.
1: Okay. okay. So
0: I have a I have a preamp, and I put out a digital signal for them, and we have uh, Avion in-ear monitors.
1: Right, okay. Yeah, that seems to be pretty much the standard setup for most churches nowadays, is the direct and in-ears.
0: And I did watch your, your podcasts on the different challenges with in-ear, and I've tried just about everything, and Actually, I have some Sony Studio monitors that I wear the majority of the time because they tend to protect my ears and give me the best mm-hmm. sound over any, anything else I've found.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, headphones work good. Um, I can use the in-ears, but I have to have you know like some type of hearing protection over them to help isolate all the other frequencies that bleed in. Um, So that's why I was using, I use shooting muffs over in-ears, but uh, I also sometimes use regular headphones too. Um, But I find the in-ears kind of give you a little bit more um, direct volume um, and I can also monitor it really low if I have the shooting muffs over top and shooting muffs look like headphones anyway. So whether I'm wearing headphones or them, it still looks pretty much the same to the audience. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty big on protecting my my hearing um, so that I am able to play as long as I can without, you know, going deaf.
0: Yes, big point. I do play, yeah. I play finger style mostly. I play pick whenever we need pick. Uh, don't do any slap bass. I wish I had that skill. And I've, I've set about trying to learn it, but the, the payback just isn't there. The amount of time to perfect it and then how often you get mm-hmm. it, it's pretty small.
1: Yeah. And it it can be, a, 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 it can be one of those uh, styles of playing that can be more brutal on you too, because you're really working a lot of muscles and you're basically whacking your hand against the string, which is probably not the best thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us uh, something kind of to end on, end on, is there any like really funny or embarrassing or any kind of story that you can think of that you might want to share, you know, as far oh, yeah. as playing on the platform?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't know about embarrassing. We, we've had every kind of, especially at my previous church, which was a larger church. And then we went through a split and it got small, but, uh, we had power outages. We were in the middle of one set and, uh, the, the worship leader was like actually a guitar player and their guitar completely went out. And like a rock star, they just swung it off and kept on singing. <laughs> and I don't. I don't think the audience ever even realized it. <laughs> we just kept oh, wow. on <laughs> and we had an acoustic attire and I kind of picked up the slack, and uh, away we went.
1: There you uh, go. There you go. Yeah, I think I think a lot of churches have had the power outies. I know we've had a couple during services. Um, that's always been a struggle, and it's like, well, the drums on acoustic drums, so just keep pounding the beat, and we'll just keep singing as loud as we can. There you go. That's about all I can really think of. <laughs> well, what would be your the best, best uh, yeah what would be your best story you could tell about being on the platform
0: uh, my my best story really is is just the the unity that I feel with my worship team uh we all have you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because we're all volunteers and we all have different skill levels and there's some that are very good and some that aren't so good and um You know, we just have a love for each other, and we have a unity that really allows us to be used of God. And to me, that's really special, and it's been a great blessing for me. You know, you can, if you let it, become a burden or almost feel like a burden. And, man, I'm putting a lot into this, and why am I doing this? And, yeah, every time I'm driving there, I I thank the Lord. I say, what a privilege, what an honor. That you've given me the opportunity to actually worship you. Now, yeah. if I've ever complained, forgive me because <sighs> I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for this honor to get to worship the King.
1: Absolutely, Amen so, to that. Well, great. That's yeah. uh, I think that's that's something. Unless you got anything else to add, I think that's something great to, uh, to to end on.
0: No, I guess I would end on this. My pastor recently said, you know, when going through this COVID. When we get to the point where Jesus is all that we have, we really begin to realize, you know what? Jesus is really all that I need. And as a worshiper, you know, we're worshiping to an audience of one. So if it's not perfect or if it's not um, to our liking, it doesn't mean that the king didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So you know, I guess I would end with that. And I thank you so much for this opportunity to speak. I hope that uh, someone that hears this is inspired or moved or, or healed or restored in some way as they listen to this. And God gets the glory.
1: Absolutely. Well, Joe, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to, uh, to talk with us. Uh, God bless you. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely keep in touch and see if we can uh, get you on the show again in the future. Thank you, Black. Keep doing your good work. Thanks. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Joe. That's it for another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender Podcast. Yeah, one segment in and out. That's uh, that's getting it done. So thanks uh, thanks to uh, Joe for for being on the podcast and and uh, volunteering to be the first one to to be on our Average Joe uh, series. And uh, so we really enjoyed that uh, that interview with Joe. And I hope that uh, other people listening, if you're a bass guitarist on a worship team, which I'm assuming you are since you're listening to the Bass Guitar Worship Blender. Blender podcast um, that you'll uh, also be interested in, in uh, giving me a shout out and letting me know that you would like to be on the podcast. To do so, just go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Bass Guitar Worship Blender, and uh, just uh, let me know that uh, you'd like to share your story too, and uh, we'll find out uh, what it is and, and uh, share that uh, with others and, and, and also referencing the Facebook page. Of course, just uh, check us out on Facebook if if you haven't already, become part of the Facebook group that we have there and get some communication going on with other bass players on worship teams. And again, thanks to uh, Joe Legrand for that great interview. And I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope to uh, to speak with you next time. And yeah, I, I really will have that, uh, that Source Audio C4 uh, review for you on the next episode. I, I really will. <laughs> so thanks a lot for listening. God bless you. Have a great one. Bye.